amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, this is Gabriela on the scene today with Top Network Radio. We have a real treat for you just around the corner, and that is Empowered Living with Jeff Bird. Jeff is the owner of Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and he will be coming to you weekly to teach you more about Empowered Living. Hello and welcome. This is Jeff Bird with Jeffrey Bird Coaching, and this is Empowered Living. Now, today, I have a a very personal and important topic I'd like to talk to you about, and that's what comes out of us during adversity. James Allen, uh, many years ago, wrote that adversity does not make the man, it reveals him to himself. And so often, there are things that happen in adversity. I am learning. I've known a lot of these, and I've been learning them this year, that's for sure. Um, that happened that just never happened in the good times. And uh, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, posted on social media the other day, you know, what are what are some of the hindrances to changing your mindset? And I thought about that for a while, and people were saying things like apathy, laziness, you know, lack of diligence. And, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know what? I think prosperity is one of the things that keeps us from changing our mindset. Because if things are going well, what's there? What reason do we have to evaluate anything, to change anything? Hey, yeah, we'll just keep doing that. But difficulties, boy, do they have a way of causing us to, to see ourselves. And that on a couple of hands. Um, first hand is they cause us to see our reactions. My dad had a little book back in the day that somebody at his work gave him uh, that he really took to heart, and it changed his life. It was called "Your Reactions Are Showing," and and boy, during during adversity, our reactions just show up, especially and and, and let me say this, especially when that adverse adversity is long lasting. Boy, there is something about it. Uh, just this waiting, waiting, waiting period, working for it, and you just can't get resolution. 
<laughs> kind of reminds me of the Rolling Stones singing, I can't get no satisfaction because it feels that way, but I can't get no resolution. When you've got these big, important things and you are just at the end of everything you can think of to make it work, it just won't work. Other people don't, that you need don't cooperate. They don't respond. Uh, uh, Responsiveness, that's, that's a whole nother topic uh, that I'm learning a lot about these days. But um, that'll be another one. But you just can't get resolution. And then the other thing that I found that it does, and this is tough, folks, this is tough, is it brings up out of your memory and your heart every mistake you've done in the past. And you can see like you can never see when things are going well, every mistake you've made, how everything, every wrong decision, every wrong attitude, every proud thought and did not listening to good advice or, or taking, you know, how all those things in the past led right up to this moment where everything hurts. And like John Maxwell, one of my mentors says, when you're losing, everything hurts. When you're winning, nothing hurts. But when you're losing, everything hurts. And you can very, very easily see how some of your decisions contributed to the situation that you're in at the present and how what you need is help and what you need is mercy. And, you know, you, you think, wow, I don't deserve either of those because of all the mistakes I've made and, and how bad I've been. And what I'd like to do, I, I want to, I was thinking about this today, and, uh, and, and let me tell you, it has been a tough year. You know, um, there's just so many things I won't go into at all, but with mom dying in the spring and then trying to sell her house, and it has been an exasperating process of getting this thing ready for market, finding good people to do that. It doesn't seem like it should be that hard, but they either want to charge a fortune or they want to never show up or respond to you. Um, anyways, it's, it's been difficult and it's gone on and on and on, and we're still right in the middle of it. Um, but, uh, and it's very easy to go, wow, there's have every mistake in the past come up and, um, and to see it clearly, but see it sometimes even despairingly. So it's hard to see those things, all the mistakes you've made and still be hopeful. But this is a, this is a thought that came this morning and it's a passage from scripture in Luke chapter 15, starts with verse 11, and Jesus is talking about lost things. You know, he's talking about lost things, and uh, he gives several different stories, and, and, and what he's showing is, is it's not about the, the thing that was lost or the person who made the bad decisions. It's about the joy of the person who recovers what was lost. In the first illustration, it's a shepherd who has a sheep that wanders off, and he goes and looks for him until he finds him. And when he finds him, he brings him back home and he rejoices because he found his lost sheep. God describes himself as our shepherd. Many people are familiar with the 23rd Psalm. It's the shepherd's song. The Lord is my shepherd. We're a sheep. And when we wander, he doesn't come to condemn us. Jesus said of himself in, in a very famous passage in, in John three sixteen and 17, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would never perish, but have eternal life. They're going to live forever because of what God gave, because it's his heart to do so. And then in the next verse, which sometimes isn't quoted, it says, 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He's not trying to condemn. He is trying to save. And so many of us, sometimes it's so hard to look at ourselves and look at our lives and look at the decisions we made because we're like, oh my gosh, if I if I bring that up, I'm going to be condemned. I would never admit that to other people or in a church or anywhere like that because I would just be afraid. People would condemn me where God's whole thing is, hey, I'm bringing it up to heal you of it. Um, an old uh, an old speaker I heard once once say, uh, he's probably long deceased now, but he said, he said, anytime that Satan talks to me about my failure, I have a problem because he always comes to condemn me and, and criticize me and make me feel hopeless. When God talks to me about my sin or my failure, it's always a delight because he always comes to take it away and relieve me from it so that I can go on without that hindrance. And boy, is that the case. And here's, here's the passage I want to share with you. Uh, we often refer to it as the prodigal son passage. It's really about the, ex- it should be called the extravagant father, the extravagant father, because it's not about how bad the son failed. It's about how good the father was in response. And Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Wow, this is quite a story. Um, Just the attitude of this younger son to start with. When When he tells his father, hey, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. What he, what he basically meant was, hey, the share that it comes to me when you're dead, I, I just, I don't care about being in a relationship with you. I don't, I just want to do my thing. And I just wish actually that you were dead so I could have what comes to me. Uh, so just give it to me now so I can go spend it. And the father doesn't fight him. He allows that just like God allows us to make the worst decisions ever. 
And then he goes off and he goes into a foreign land and he squanders his wealth with loose living. Um, who knows? Parties, prostitutes, drinking, drugs. Who, who knows what he was doing? But he was doing all the wrong things and wasting his money on it. And he spent it all. And then guess what? A famine came on the land. It reminds me of that verse that says they sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. Some of the results of the decisions we've made, where to, when we see it and when we experience it, it's heartbreaking. It's terrible to see. And it's like, oh, wow, it is nobody's fault but mine. It is my fault because I made such bad decisions. And <laughs> that, that's what happens to this younger son. You know, he's a Jewish boy, we assume, because Jesus is telling the story and he's Jewish. Uh, that, that ended up feeding swine and swine were detestable to the Jews. He ends up doing something that he detests and hates, but he's so hungry that he wishes he could eat the swine's food. He's in a very, very low state. Um, but then it says, when he came to his senses, he said, wow, how many of my father's men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. Hey, even the, even the hired servants for my father have enough. I gave up a sonship. And when I, and here I've destroyed myself and, and I've, I've got all the consequences of all my decisions and I don't deserve a thing. Uh, let me at least go to my father and say, Hey, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. And boy, haven't we? And he says, make me like, I don't even deserve to be called your son. And we know that we feel it in our hearts and we're like, I, I don't deserve anything. We need help because of what we've sometimes created and then outside circumstances, the famines. So it's our inner, our inner problems and bad choices and the external circumstances. And, and we realize how needy we are. There's nothing that can help us but mercy. We, we can't make any appeal to some fancied merit because we feel that it's our own failure that's, that's ready to make us fall to destruction. And so we pray for mercy and we look for mercy and, the son kind of does that when he says, hey, make me like one of your hired men. Just make me a servant. Just, I, I don't even deserve to be a son. Just, just please, please just take me back. And you know what? His, his father doesn't let him get his rehearsed speech out. He cuts him off. The son said it. We, we, we hear what the son thought he was going to say. And when he gets back, he only gets half of it out before the father says to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. And he was lost and has been found and began to celebrate. This, this son goes back and, and, and maybe you feel this way. I trust me. I've certainly felt this way. It's like, boy, I don't deserve a thing. Uh, the, everything I'm getting, it's my own fault. And, and I can't, there's nobody to blame but me. Like Jimmy Buffett says in, in one of his songs, hey, I, I know, my own darn fault. Uh, you know, there's nobody else to blame. Uh, it, it's not my friend's fault, not my parents' fault, not, not my teacher's fault, not it, my pastor's fault, not anybody's fault but mine. It was my decision that created and, and, and has come full circle now and created such a bad situation for me. And I need mercy. Please help. Please help. I need it. And the thing is, we expect God to be like, well, maybe give us a little bit of something. Maybe give us this little position like a hired servant. No, that's not what the father does. The father is overjoyed. He sees the son a long ways off and he go, he runs toward him. That was very, a very ignoble thing for an older man to do. 
uh, at the time this story was told. It just it, it showed too much emotion. It showed too much weakness. It showed too much vulnerability. But he doesn't care. He sees his son, and he loves that son. He never stopped loving that son. He loved him at the beginning. He loved him when he asked for his inheritance. He loved him when he was in a far country, and he still loves him. And he sees that song a long ways off, and he feels compassion. Let, let me tell you something. If, if you're in a difficult season, whether it's your fault or not, no matter how it came about, and I know some people are in a difficult season, and it's not their fault. Some are, have been in a difficult season, and it's partly their fault. Some, it's totally their fault. But whatever the thing is, when, when God, when you turn to him, when you turn to him, he sees that and he feels compassion. He's like, that's my son. That's my daughter. I, I, oh my gosh, I just can't wait to give good things to them. And um, he runs out to him and he brings, he brings a robe and, and he, cover, he covers over him. He, he puts this robe on and it's like this beautiful, just picture a beautiful, clean white robe that, that covers over because he, he was probably pretty dirty and stunk pretty bad when he got there. And, but he covers over all these dirty clothes that he was wearing and he gives him fresh, clean clothes. And he puts the family ring on there and says, no, you're in my family now. I love you. You're, you're my son. Uh, I want you to have the, the family signet ring. Uh, I, I give you position. I give you the authority back. I, I, I give you the plate, your place back. And he gives him sandals. Uh, from what I understand, only the, the family wore, wore sandals. Um, uh, you know, I'm separating you from the dirt of this world. I'm giving you sandals. It's a, and then we're killing the fattened calf. We've been saving him up for a special occasion. Guess what? This is the special occasion. Uh, we're killing the fattened calf. And because I want to rejoice, I want to celebrate. I've never been happier in my life that you're back and that, that you're here. I can't believe I get to see you again. I can't believe you're here. You have no idea how much I've longed for this day and how much I love you and how much I want you to know that you're blessed and that you're favored and that you're special and that you're cherished. And you always have been, even on your worst day. And Jesus tells this story to tell us about the Father. He's the only one that knew the Father. He said nobody's seen the Father at any time except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And he, he, says, he says again, hey, I, I want you to know him. And then Jesus, after he dies for our sin, he, he takes it all away. There's the, the brother telling this story too. He's the one that's going to take all of that away. And, uh, and he pays the price and, and he's risen from the dead. And, and he says, Hey, I'm going to my father and, and to my God and yours, to my father and your father. He's your father now. He's yours again. Uh, I've taken everything that's separated out of the way. All that's been paid for. And, and he can lavish his love on you now because of my love for you. And, um, and I came here to bring his love to you. And now you know it. And, um, and hopefully we do. And that's, that's my prayer for this. For all of us is to know that love and go forward in his love and watch him save us from situations, from a life that we can't save ourselves from, uh, and, but that many of us all know we need in our heart. And um, there, there's a, a passage back in Isaiah, uh, I think it's chapter 45, and it says, look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I'm God and there is no other look to me. And uh, I heard somebody talking about it last night and they said, you know, you don't need a college degree to look. <laughs> you know, you don't have to do anything. Just look, just look to him and be saved. And he's like, all it takes is a look, just one look at me and what I'm like and what I've done for you on your worst day uh, and in your worst decisions ever and in your greatest need ever and in your greatest despondency and frustration and lack of resolution ever, just like many of us are having in this, in this season that we're in. 
He said, just look to me and be saved. Just look at what my heart is like, no matter how bad your circumstances are or how bad the decisions you've made, how badly you failed. Look to me and keep looking at me and tell me about it and trust me and take my hand and let me love you and let me walk you through to a new day uh, and new decisions as you learn from, from this, these mistakes. It's not the end of you, but uh, it might be the end of the beginning, like Winston Churchill said. And you're going to learn from this, and you're going to learn about me, and you're going to learn about yourself, and you're going to use that to move forward and do better things and bigger things and brighter things, and I'm going to take you to a new day that you never even imagined. That son never imagined when he came home that he would get that kind of reception from the father, and yet he did, and that's the same thing. The, our reception is far better than we can ever imagine or ever feel we deserve, and that's exactly what we've got. And I pray that the eyes of all of our hearts can see that and receive it and be blessed by it. And um, I thank you so much for joining me. Uh, if you want to reach out, my email is jeff at jeffbirdcoaching. Bird is with a Y, jeff at jeffbirdcoaching.com. And uh, please feel free to reach out. And uh, I'd be happy to talk with you about anything that's on your mind, whether it's something like this or whether it's a, a, a business situation or something for your organization or or your team needs help, or you need help, or whatever, um, I'd be happy to talk with you about it and, and see what we can do to move forward. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me. Again, I'm Jeff with Jeff Bird Coaching, and this has been Empowered Living. Until next time, God bless you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.